Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the neatest sports to watch uh, usually happens during the Olympics that I enjoy are relay races because it's so much individual, but it's also so much teamwork. And the most important time on a relay race is when you're making the handoff and then the other piece, person receives it. you got to give it, and the other person must receive it. And when it comes to missions, that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking what God has given to us, and with the abilities, talents, and gifts that God has given to us, we're giving it off and handing it off. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper and Today, again, the interview we'll have later on, uh, you'll hear about uh, how to train others as missionaries. It's not enough just to go in. I'm going to use the word win them uh, because the Great Commission, Nathan, has more than making converts. It says make, you know, making disciples. That's right. And and again, don't get lost in the verbiage, in the words. Yes, you got to be converted before you become a disciple. So we realize that. But the job's not completed uh, just because they're saying there's some work. Paul demonstrated that. Jesus demonstrated that. I should have put Jesus first. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, Paul got his example <laughs> Paul from got, Jesus. Yeah. And so, uh, but I want to read a passage, and then we'll, we will talk about it. And we want to hear some of the experiences you had, Nathan, as a, as a missionary to, to refugees that had come to, that were in a group of people that were from their same nation and how they would, you know, meet. They had cultural similarities. They had language, the same language. And so the ministry there was important. But the scripture is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And we use this quite a bit on exploring missions because it's so powerful. He says, Paul writes to Timothy, and it's his last book that he would write, the last thing he would say to Timothy. And the things that you have heard from Me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We have, I I love the relay race because there's four people in a relay race. Yeah, four by 100 or four by Yes, and here it is. You have what Paul received, passed to Timothy, to faithful men, to others. So you have that four-member relay Four generations. Four generations. And so... What we want to talk about, again, is missionaries that go into different cultures. And it may not just be in a foreign country with America the way it is. And we're having, I think, part of what Exploring Missions is trying to do is let you see that in some of your areas, people have moved there from different countries and they have their own culture. Now, we're not saying they should not learn the English language. We're not saying anything. But we're saying our responsibility is reach them where they are. And one of the most important things is after you, if you reach one of them, then the opportunity to train them so that they, in their language and culture, reaches their family and friends and their community. And that's not just on a foreign field. That would be here in America 
especially where the the refugees have settled. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, um, people uh, have come from all over the world to to the U.S. And they're found pretty much everywhere in in every state, uh, most every uh, you know community of any of any size. And it doesn't have to be a large city in this the small town where we're recording this. There are uh, uh, foreign-born uh, families, individuals um, that represent unreached people groups, even here uh, locally in this small, uh, what you would probably call rural area of Mississippi. So. When I was uh, serving in in Atlanta with uh, Global Frontier Missions, uh, had multiple multiple opportunities to interact with uh, unreached peoples uh, and uh, yeah families that were from uh, different countries. And um, I'm thinking of a couple different examples. And uh, one of my friends, actually, both of these examples are are men from the country of Eritrea. Eritrea is uh, just uh, on the border of Ethiopia. And the Red Sea, right there in the Horn of small, Africa, small country compared small. to those around them. That's right. And um, so, um, I won't get into all the issues about Eritrea because there's there's multiple and there's many issues. You could pray for the believers there that are undergoing persecution. Um, but two two uh, brothers in Christ from that country um, that I met, and um, one an illustration of this is um, I would meet with on a on a weekly basis, and we would. Uh, study the Bible, and we would uh, talk about how we can uh, share the gospel with with those who haven't heard. And uh, what what my friend would do, his name was Job, actually, uh, the same name of the the gentleman in this interview that yeah. you're going to hear. And so Job once a once a week would get on a conference phone call uh, with other Eritrean men, many of whom had not heard the gospel um, all around the world. They were. They were at different places in the world as as uh, refugees. Some even back in Eritrea, and he would share the gospel with you know multiple people over the phone on a weekly basis. And uh, he was touching touching the world uh, from his cell phone. <laughs> uh, and then another young uh, young man from uh, Eritrea. His name was Yamani, and Yamani and I would go door to door and make visits with other. Uh, people there in in Atlanta that spoke uh, one of his languages. I think he spoke five different languages. So, um, you know, if you meet somebody from East Africa, they probably know multiple languages. And uh, hanging around with somebody that does that makes you feel very uh, <laughs> inadequate. Inadequate. Hey, when I have trouble. I barely speak English. Uh, you know? you're, you, hey, you got it from your dad here. Yeah. So, uh, Yamani and I went to visit this uh, one man named uh, Meb, and uh, to make a long story short. Uh, we finally were able to meet up with Meb, and you know he met us at the door and said uh, his first words were, "Oh no, don't don't come here to convert me." And we said, "Meb, we're not here to convert you. We would just like to talk to you about Jesus. Is that okay?" And his his eyes lit up and he smiled real big and he said, "Yes, come in. I want to talk about Jesus." And uh, he actually had a Bible in his language, so he ran up to his uh, room and came back with his Bible. And real quickly, I I, I figured out. I'm not going to get uh, get to get a word in, and so <laughs> Yamani, who I'd been training and working with, uh, and Meb did all the talking, and they opened their Bibles to John chapter six and talked about Jesus being uh, the bread of life, which in their language is injera is is the word for bread, and Jesus is the injera of life, and 
I'll never will forget there in John 6, um, people asked Jesus, uh, what, is, what is God's will for me to do? And Jesus says, believe on the one that he has sent. And Mev himself asked that very same question. Of course, all this was in another language. I had to get, you know, what was going on from Yamani later on. But Yamani right there led, led Meb to follow Jesus. And um, I had very little part in it, you know. Um, and that's a picture of, you know, one generation uh, helping, assisting another generation. And then that generation passing it on to a third generation. And I pray wherever Meb is at this time, he's, he's passing that along as well. As we think about generations, let's think about culture in doing that. Uh, So much uh, people in the world think Christianity is a, uh, I would say, Western Europe, American, quote, religion. But I'm telling you, the mold is being thrown away because of what God is doing in places like Africa, what he's doing in China. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, Latin America. Yes, God is making himself known so that in Revelation, when it talks about every tribe and every tongue, every people uh, glorifying the Lord, uh, even these unreached people groups, God's going to get his way in. Now, one of the most exciting things that I hear you talking about and what we want to, wanting to make sure people doing is being one of those people that has come to Christ and passing it on even to a different culture. Now we're doing it, but how important it is, Nathan, to have, and I wanted us to, to spend probably the rest of our time, the next four minutes, uh, making sure that it's passed on to someone in that culture that you disciple them and then they are able to disciple others. Yes. And all of a sudden, some of the barriers that were there between one culture and another culture, they begin to drop, and and this individual. But the but if it's like an American, they learn some of that culture as well, and and they not. Now I'm not talking about the paganism, and I'm not talking about the rituals, but they enter into knowing that language. They enter in and knowing their food groups that they can eat with. Uh, so it's a kind of a give and take, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. If you just back up a little bit and just talk about the essence of leadership in general uh, and developing new leaders, I really think the heart, the core, essential element of, of leadership, if you're wanting to, as a leader, if you see yourself as a leader or God has put you in a position of leadership and you want to uh, develop new leaders, okay, that's what a, a real leader will do, first of all. Um, and so... The essence of it is humility, um, because if you're not, if you're not humble, you're not going to pass on and develop new leaders. You're not going to pass that baton. You're going to try to run that race all by yourself. Mm. And uh, and God will stop using people like that. Um, but if you want to pass that baton on and and pass that vision on that God has given you, because ultimately it's not your vision, it's God's that he's given you then you're going to you got to be humble and die to yourself and and see someone else do better than you that's your desire you know you want to see the next generation do more and better and greater things amen even jesus said that to his disciples you're going to do greater things yeah. and so um that's the core of it and if you have that attitude that humble uh, christ-like servant attitude as a leader uh, then you're going to be well on your way to, in order to develop uh, new leaders especially cross-culturally because it does take a large dose of humility 
in uh, you know dying to yourself and all of the cultural baggage that you hold on to. A lot of that has to be let go, and only hold on to the the essential biblical things that cross cultures. Uh, a lot of Americanisms don't necessarily cross cultures really well, and you don't want them to because there's a lot of negatives in in some of that. Um, and every culture has its good and bad points, and uh, so you want to pass on those core essential biblical uh, pieces of culture and from one generation to the next. Uh, but you have to, if you want to see the gospel take root, if you want to see the church uh, be healthy and grow in a particular cross-cultural location, um, you have to raise up indigenous leadership, people from that location that speak that language that are a part of that culture. And you want to see them contextualize uh, the gospel message to be able to simplify that message where it can be reproduced and passed on by word of mouth. And uh, you want to be able to see them raise up leaders of the, their own. And that's when you know the job is getting closer to done uh, when you see indigenous leaders. We don't want to see American missionaries pastoring foreign churches for very long. Right. You want to see that being passed and on. It needs to. Paul, in his missionary journeys, says he ordained elders in every city. Uh, even if they had the common language, even that, he said, it's so important to have the leadership come from the people who you've ministered to. Absolutely. So a part of mission work is passing it on and developing leadership. I think in this interview, you will hear about what God is doing and how he's worked in people's lives and how that torch was passed from one generation to another and from one individual to another. We're interviewing today Tim Fleming and his friend Job Gaitan. Gaitan. I'll get that before yeah, it's over. Right. And uh, so we're, we appreciate you staying with us. And last week we were able to talk about the planting the churches and discipleship and what God was doing and how God's used Job and how he came in. That was just an awesome but I, I just there was some more that was going on that I felt like our you know audience would love to hear, and uh, your mom is still serving. Now your dad, who started the mission and was called of God out of off the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, and we've got a lot of listeners on the Gulf Coast of uh-huh. Mississippi, right. and some of them may remember Wayne and Nina Fleming when they were there years ago. But God moved them to South Texas to learn the language, and then they went on into Mexico and started churches. And you were nine years old when you moved to Mexico. That's right. And God, you've been there, and you've come back, and, and now you're you're back there and been there 20 years now, right, That's Tim? That's right. Okay, I'm rehearsing that. So yeah. if anybody new is listening, didn't listen last week, they'd be up on what we're talking about. And, and you're planting churches, you're discipling, but... Also, you got other ministries. This one that your mom's involved in right now, still. That's right. Uh, when I was uh, first went to Mexico, my mom for a long time had wanted a children's home, and uh, she's just very compassionate. and And so she asked me when I got down there. Uh, she said, "Hey, would you help us start the children's home? You know, get the paperwork and everything, find out what needed." And so, so in that year, the my first year there, I guess now it's two thousand, and no, it's still nineteen ninety nine. And uh, so we start moving the paperwork, getting the permits, and uh, a fella uh, from here from North Mississippi uh, donated the money for the property, and then as monies came in, we started building up the, the, the children's home facility, and it started it back there in, in 1999, and uh, had a first, uh, I guess the first uh, kids that came were, I think there were three at the time, and uh, 
One of them was just a few months old. I mean, he's actually around six months. He still couldn't even sit up. He's really weak, anemic, and uh, that's how we started. Uh, and it's still going today. It's still going, yes. We've had a lot of kids come through. We we basically will take them uh, from birth and uh, any age. Uh, we work with the DIF, which is be like the CPS here in the United States. It's the DIF down there. and uh, uh, But sometimes we have parents that will bring their kids or grandparents that the kids have been given to them because they were abandoned or whatever by their parents. And, uh, and, uh, but mostly it's through the CPS that will bring us children uh, that are in a bad situation. And of course, we take them in and try to provide a home and good upbringing and teaching God's Word to them. Do, uh, <clears throat> do they go to regular school there or do they have a, a in-house school? How does that work educationally? Right. Yeah, we for a long time wondered if we could uh, actually start our own school, a private Christian school. But it's pretty complicated in Mexico, yeah. so for now we're having to send them to the regular, the secular schools. Okay. And, uh, <clears throat> and your mother has been there doing that? and Yeah, and, yeah, she's been there. So we have uh, set up with kind of, we, we call them house parents. And uh, so it's like several little homes there and uh, with the kids. And then, but every afternoon they get out of school about 1 o'clock. And they'll come home and eat. And at 2 o'clock, uh, mom, they all go into this little library. And so mom's tutoring to different age groups, you know, and. <laughs> And uh, since I was a math teacher, she's been having me go down there and help oh, the me. older kids that are now in algebra or geometry, stuff like that, and help them out a little bit. So when I can, I'll do that. But uh, she's busy pretty much every day with the kids when she's there. Well, that is great. Again, our other guest is Job. And uh, Job, I want you to talk about what it's like to pastor there. Uh, you know a little bit about the United States culture here, and Mexico is, is the is the pastoring different there than it is here? Yeah, ask him those questions if you would, Tim. Entonces, ¿cómo se siente o cómo es pastorar una iglesia en México uh, para ti? Porque es diferencia, hay unas diferencias de aquí en los Estados Unidos, me imagino. Sí, claro. Eh, la gente ya, <coughs> la cultura en México es de una tradición muy católica. Okay, so yes, it's a bit different approach because a very you know, strong Catholic background the people have. Y es una tradición que de familia a familia por años en generaciones han tenido. So it's, it's a strong tradition that's passed on from generation to generation. Entonces es un proceso de entrar con ellos. So there's a process to, to reach them. Relacionarnos con ellos. Relating, you know, Building up relationships with them. Sirviéndoles, mostrándoles amor, estando disponibles Serving para... them, loving them, becoming available to them. Para poder platicar con ellos acerca de sus necesidades. Uh, to be able to de uh, develop those conversations, to, to answer those needs that they have in their life. Y así iniciar un contacto con el cual, una conexión con el cual nosotros podamos eh, introducir el Evangelio. And so to, to make that first contact, initiate those conversations so that we can introduce Christ to them, the gospel. Es una especie de discipulado muy, muy, muy natural. Es a, a very natural way of doing discipleship. Yeah. En el cual nosotros vamos introduciendo la palabra de Dios. In y which vamos we, we begin introducing the word of God. Evangel evangelizando a las personas. And sharing the gospel. Amen. I heard a word that uh, is so important, and that's relationship. So right. it does not matter your culture. That's right. Relationships are vital. That's right. Uh, have you heard this phrase, people don't care what you believe until they know you care? That's right. I've and, heard and many times. Yeah. Yes, and it's it's true everywhere. It is. Uh, our our co-host on this program, Nathan Harper, uh, he worked with uh, refugees that came from many, many countries. And guess what? Regardless of what, it's those relationships that you build. That's right. With Tim, you being raised there, 
those relationships with you with the Nationals was halfway, I, I would just say, commonplace and, uh, you know, just natural? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, we just, just made friends, just talking, sharing life together with them, stuff like that. Having children, does it aid in helping build those relationships in a, in a culture? I, I think so. My, my kids are a great part of our ministry from the beginning, even as young people. I mean, uh, building a relationship with friends and youth. And, and actually, I read this book on, on uh, one time. It kind of inspired me to, he said, just use your experiences, wherever you are, whoever you are, the experiences God has given you uh, to reach others. And so we kind of started off targeting youth at the beginning because I had been a, a t- taught high school. I had coached football and, and basketball as a high school kids. And then at this time when I started our first church, you know, my kids were almost all teenagers. My youngest one wasn't yet. But, and then Hope and one of our, or Job and one of our other uh, fellows that was working with us, he was a teenager still. So we said, well, we're just going to try to reach teenagers. And so we, they helped because they had made all these friends and contacts and just, you know, share life together and have fun together. And so we started getting to share the gospel with them first. They were the most open, of course, yeah. because of that. So, so the ministry, uh, that, that Mexico Missions Ministry, that, that's the title of. Right. I, I want to go back a little bit. I should have done this at the beginning. Uh, your dad, uh, he was planning, and we don't want to call names of the the different ones that he couldn't go through. He desired, and he applied, right? And because of circumstances, they said, "No, this would not be the best time." Right. That did not keep him from doing what God he felt like God wanted him to do, did it? No, it didn't. And I always amazed at his faith. I don't think I I could have done that, but <laughs> he prepared the way for me, I guess. But yeah, he just uh, decided, well, we're going to go anyways, and so. I remember the, they'd bought a little house in Mission, Texas, and two years later they sold it. So we're going to go to Mexico and we'll just live off of this until God just provide, you know. And so, uh, you know, there was like somebody or some church sent like $200 a month. And well, you can't, you know, we was, there was already five kids at the time, you know, and, and you can't survive off of that. Anywhere you sure can't do ministry with that, but, uh, but they went anyways, you know, and then God provided, you know, kept on providing. So as a ministry grew, God provided enough to take care of that, those needs. As a missionary kid, did you feel deprived? No, no. We, uh, I guess you just, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're missing out on. So <laughs> uh, I just had fun. We just, you know, hang out with the kids, make friends and play like everybody else. <laughs> I This is a little bit personal. I was raised in the country and I thought, man, all those city kids, they've got real baseball fields. They've got real uh swimming pools yeah uh we had cow pastures and 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 streams to do i thought they had it i thought the city kids had it made and then raised in town and raising my sons i said man i'm the one that had it made out there so sometimes having to do without some of those whatever it is that we provide here uh, God makes it even better. God takes the difficult things and does good with it, doesn't he? Oh, yes. And uh, my my wife, she she knew this. She knew the best place uh, to be is in the center of God's wor- will. And she uh, she knew that that's the best. She, wanted make, she, she was afraid to go a little, you know, afraid to make that big move and follow me down there. But but she knew that that was going to be the best things for our kids also, you know, even to they may have to go without some things, but God would compensate. So, yeah. And he has. He's blessed. Well, tell us about your wife. You met her here in the States while you were yes. back here yeah. in school and going to school and teaching? Yeah, I actually met her in high school. It was a private uh, Christian school in South Texas. 
and um, and uh, so looking for a young Christian girl already. I shouldn't have been looking yet, but I was, you know. <laughs> you started early. That's right. And uh, so we ended up dating for three years and, and uh, decided to get married before I went to college. Well, that wasn't oh. an easy road, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, she's uh, she's been a faithful companion now for thirty five years. I better not get that number wrong. <laughs> you better not get <laughs> it right. wrong. Okay. But uh, yeah, she uh, uh, she she loves God and knew that that was that was the best thing. Whatever we do, follow Him. And uh, and we've been we talked many conversations. You know, had since then and been in Mexico. And, and then she says, you know, I'm so glad. I'm so glad because we wouldn't be the family we are today. Our kids wouldn't be the kids they are today serving God the way they are now mm-hmm. if we hadn't done that. Uh, I met a couple uh, years ago when I was just a real young pastor. They were pa- uh, missionaries in Brazil in mm. the interior, mm. not on the uh, coast, but in the interior, really difficult, rough place. And uh, I was hearing them speak, and they were close to the end of their time here uh, on uh-huh. furlough. And they said, man, we're ready to go home. Mm. Uh that home, their home was there. That's right. And I know that's for you being raised there. That's really home for you. Yes, it is. It is. And this, and it's for, it's for them. It's, uh, my, my daughter, uh, both of my young, the two youngest ones, they, they were able to study online through Liberty University and get their degree in ministries and, and the religious studies. And, uh, and uh, my, my daughter is going to get on to me for saying this, but my daughter uh, chose to stay in Mexico knowing, and she, she wants to get married. She wants to have a family. And, but she knew it would be kind of hard where we are to, to find that husband that she would want to have. And, uh, but she won't leave the ministry. She's in love with the ministry, with the people, what she does. And uh, God has used her tremendously in our churches. And uh, she's developed our children's curriculum. We have an awesome children's ministry and youth ministry Amen. because of her. And, and uh, she's one of the worship leaders with Hope here. He taught her how to play music. So yeah. they play all these instruments. And, uh, and uh, but yeah, she she says if God really wants me to get married, He'll send somebody. He'll so. bring them in. <laughs> That's right. Well, amen. <laughs> Our guest today has been Tim Fleming. He uses Mexico Mission Ministries and Job Gaitan. Gaitan. <laughs> in heaven, I'll say it right, brother. Amen. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it right. But it's been a pleasure having you guys and seeing what God is doing there. If anybody would want to come on a mission trip, yes. to your, is it still available, possible? Yes, yes. How would how would they contact you, Tim? Well, uh, the best way probably had to be through, I have a Mexican phone number, uh, I'll, I'll say these numbers out, but you'd have to do the, Say them slowly. Yeah. You can do in your phone that plus 521-826-161-5556. One more time. I know it. And because yes. what's people doing there? What's that number? What's yeah, that? And they're trying right. to put it in their cell phone exactly. or they're trying to write it down. So do it right. one more time. We're giving people five, four, three, two, one. Now say it again. <laughs> plus 521-826-161. 5556. And that's Mexico Missions Ministry. And uh, they're serving there uh, now 40 something years that that's you guys right. have been on the field and blessed you. Job, good to have you today. Thank you, brother. Amen. Yes. Tim, thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions. It's been a joy having you with us today. We hope God has spoken to your heart concerning missions, whether it's across the street, down the road, or in another country. 
Let God get the praise and let Him use you. 